Hey guys, welcome back to the But You Haven't Seen My Bookshelf podcast. Today, uh, we're just going to jump right into my what this week. I have been reading some great books this week and I really just want to talk about them. So we're going to start off with what I'm reading now and what I've been reading and what I've read for the past week. What I'm reading right now, I'm reading The Secret History by Donna Tartt. If you know what this book is, this book is very popular. It has like over 200,000 reviews on Goodreads. And I picked it up because I saw it at Barnes and Noble. And I've been recommended it so much because it very much fits in the genre of dark academia, which I'm falling more in love with every single day. So I picked it up. I'm 104 pages into the book and I am loving it so far. It's kind of slow at moments, but it has so many literature references and Greek references and Plato references and I don't know. I am loving it. It is one of those books that is very intriguing because you know some dark shit is going to go down, but also it makes me feel like I'm really smart. It makes me feel like I'm reading a classic book and I'm sitting in a library somewhere and someone walks by and they're like, oh my God, you're reading The Secret History? wow, that person's really smart. And that's what they think of me because I'm reading this. I don't know if that made any sense, but that's how I feel. I feel like a genius. And I feel like a very educated person while I'm reading this book. And I turn on my playlist on Spotify. Did I talk about this playlist last week? I might have. It's called Dark Academia, Studying and Reading Instrumentals. Turn that on on my noise-canceling Sony headphones, which everyone needs to invest into because they're the best purchase I have ever made. Turn that on, read this book, feel like I'm on top of the world. It's good so far. Like I said, it's kind of slow. I'm only 100 pages into it. It's like a 500 page book. I know it's going to get a little crazy and a little dark. I just have to be patient. I'm also reading The Maddest Obsession. Okay. (laughs) People are going to be like, Heather, why are you reading this book? This is the second book in the Maid series. You guys have heard me talk about the first book in the series, which was The Sweetest Oblivion. And we know I rated that book two stars. I didn't necessarily love it. I felt like it was lacking in a lot of areas. Although, last week I told you guys I was on the hunt for books where the MMC is utterly obsessed. Like, so obsessed with the female character. And this book was recommended to me. And they said that this guy is obsessed. So I was like, you know what? It's for Young Kendall Unlimited. Even if I didn't like the first book, I might like this one a little bit more. I don't expect it to be anything spectacular, but I, I mean, I've heard it's a good book and I started it last night, reading it on my Kindle, read it on the treadmill this morning. It's not horrible so far, but the first chapter, not, but the first chapter of this book, you could already tell this man is going to be obsessed, but not in the way I was talking about, not in the way of like cutesy obsession, like Oh my God, I'm so obsessed with this woman. Like, no, this man like has an obsessive disorder and is obsessed with, uh, with this woman. So we're getting into it and I honestly think I'm going to love it. That's not exactly the vibe I was, I wasn't looking for dark obsession, but you know, I just keep only finding dark obsessions, which I guess that's what I signed up for. And I didn't even know, but I started this book. And I like it. It's not bad so far. The characters, 
I'm not far enough into the book to be able to tell you anything more than the guy's just going to be obsessed, but that's what I'm reading right now. In the past week, I've read three books, which next week to wrap up all of February, I'll talk about the books that I read throughout the entire month to get, but to give a brief overview of what I read in the past week. I read The Cheat Sheet by, who is this book by? Sarah Adams. I think that's who it's by. It's a very basic name. I don't have it written down, but I think that's who it was. Powerless by Elsie Silver and Hands Down by Mariana Zapata. I love Elsie Silver and I love Mariana Zapata. They're two of my favorite authors. So to read two different books from two of my favorite authors, it's been a good week. The Cheat Sheet. The only reason why I picked up this book was because I was told the guy was obsessed. Guys, I'm on the hunt, okay? I was told this guy was obsessed with the woman and I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to pick it up. Um, that's not quite the case and that's fine. That's fine. But I did go to target and buy it and I wish I would have read it for free somewhere because I don't want this book on my bookshelf. I, it was so overrated and I gave it two stars. It was popular a year ago and I don't know why. I've read a couple books from this author before. I've read her It Happened One Summer. No, It Happened in Nashville series. That is free on Kindle Unlimited. I didn't realize the author who wrote the cheat sheet also wrote this series that I read, but she did. And this one just wasn't, the other two weren't necessarily spectacular, but they were definitely better than the cheat sheet, in my opinion. Powerless. Powerless by Elsie Silver. That came out on the 10th. And you know what? Right when the 10th hit, I picked that book up and I read the entire book in a day. I will talk like the others more about this book next week. But I devoured that book and I loved it. I don't think it was my favorite book in her series. I still think Heartless, the book before, which I'm actually going to talk about today, was better. But this one was a close second and it was so good. Hands Down by Mariana Zapata. I also read this one in the past week. This book, I was not planning to pick it up anytime soon. It was not on my radar. I knew about it. And I've been slowly going through Mariana's books because I love her as an author. She's my favorite author. I'll always say that because I love her so much. But I wasn't planning on reading this one anytime soon. And the only reason I went ahead and picked it up, it's free on Kindle, was because one of my best friends, Georgia, texted me that it was about Zach. And if you've read The Wall of Winnipeg and Me, Zach is one of the side characters in that book. One of the only side characters in that book, pretty much, who plays like an important role. And I was like, you know what? I, Zach was a shit show in The Wall of Winnipeg and Me and was always on the struggle bus. And I was like, I just want to find out how this man is doing. And Georgia told me that Bianca, who is the main character in Hands Down, is very similar to me, which she is very similar to me in a lot of ways. So she was like, you need to read this book because it's basically about you. And I was like, okay, cool. So I picked that one up, read it in a day as well. What I'm listening to this week, I am listening to Zayn and Heath Unfiltered. I don't know if you guys know about that podcast. It's a comedy podcast. Zayn and Heath, I used to watch them on Vine back in like 2000, what, 10 to 13 or something. It was so long ago. They have always made me so happy because they're just so goofy. And I'm not someone who normally gravitates towards comedy or that type of entertainment. 
But for some reason, they have just always played a staple in my life, like making me giggle so much. And I need that. And they just make me so happy to listen to. And I've been behind on a few of their episodes. So I've been catching up and just laughing my ass off and turning that on while I do chores around the house. I've also been listening to Ghost! Exclamation point by Funk Me. me. I love funk music. I love it so much. And this one, y'all know Ghost from... Is it Call of Duty? Oh my gosh, if it's not Call of Duty, then I'm going to get roasted. He's like that character. Hold on. I got to go to Google or I'm going to get roasted. Ghost. Ghost video game. Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Oh yeah, he's in Call of Duty. He's that character that everyone was obsessed with and making um, fan edits of (laughs) a little bit of last year. Uh, They made a song. (laughs) They made a funk song and I love funk music and they put some of his voice in it. Like in the middle of it, it pauses and it's like a discussion with him and another character out of Call of Duty. (laughs) And and then it carries the song on and it's great. I walk to it on the treadmill and I love it. I've also been listening to Royal Core playlist. I talked about how I listen to this Dark Academia playlist when I am reading. Well, I found this other playlist that I've been kind of switching off and listening to this one as well. It's called Royal Core Playlist on Spotify. Look it up. It's really good. I like listening to it while I'm reading. I can't actually listen to music with lyrics in it. I don't know if people do that. I see people reading with headphones on all the time. So I just assume, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're listening to instrumental like me. But I can't do that. I have to listen to instrumental if I have my headphones on. So I listen to dark academia classical did my voice just crack oh my god i should take a sip of my coffee so i listened to either of those and lastly what i've been watching this week i haven't watched tv in like two weeks i've only been watching cody code that's cringe videos i know i (sighs) hear me out cody co's that's cringe video of girl defined has me in a chokehold in that I, it just makes me so happy because I grew up in the Baptist church, everybody. Okay. I am from the South. I'm from East Texas. I grew up in a very, mm, not strict Baptist church, not what's I'm trying to figure out how to word this. It wasn't strict, but it also was strict. It was a very brainwashed Baptist church. In my opinion, they just preached a lot of things that girl defined if you know who those people are that they speak on and you're like i have a lot of trauma from that i really don't want to talk about that but anyways i've been watching the girl defined videos of his where they react to those girls who are like we didn't kiss until marriage and it was the best decision i've ever made and he's like um that's not even in the bible is it you just made that up and that is the story of my life from my childhood not even biblical just made up and they react to these two crazy christians and if you're if you're a christian i'm not harping on christianity let me just disclaimer that i'm harping on people who speak their opinions and call it fact um like biblical fact and that's what these girls these girls in this specific video do most of the time they speak on their opinion and they're like we think you should do this as a christian woman because it's it's biblical or whatever and it's not anyways I've been watching those and then also the reaction video of him and Noel to that one guy who does his morning routine 
and it's like rise and grind and all that it's just so funny go watch his that that's cringe videos they're just really lighthearted, and i watch them while i crochet at night because i've seen them so many times i really don't have to pay attention that much let's jump straight into the point of today's video okay i'm really excited for today's video because i'm talking about my favorite trope which is age gap romance. Um, I do not have daddy issues. That's the crazy thing. I know, I know. I have a great relationship with my father. My dad is probably not gonna listen to these podcasts because I talk mostly about romance books so far. But dad, you know, if you're listening to this, you're, you're the best and we have a great relationship. So why do I love age gap romance so much? I don't know, but I eat that shit up. Um, maybe it's because the men I meet at my age are just truly dumb. I'm 23 years old. I'm dumb, but the men I meet at my age so far, the ones that I have met have been extremely dumb. Their prefrontal cortex is just nowhere near being developed, which is fine. But I think that's maybe why I just like, like older men anyways. And then there's the whole thing with Pedro Pascal and me just being obsessed with him. And he is the same age as my dad. So I need to tone that one down a little bit. Anyways, I love age gap. So I'm going to talk about three of my favorite age gap romance books, all of which I rated four to five stars that you should add to your TBR and read. I think every single one of these is free on Kindle Unlimited. Well, actually, okay. The first one and the third one is free on Kindle Unlimited. The second one, All Roads Lead Here, which I'll talk about. I think they just might have taken that one down off of Kindle Unlimited because this morning, oh no, yesterday, when I was trying to find some quotes and things that I had highlighted in the book, I couldn't find it on Kindle. I wanted to re-download it so that I could get some quotes from the book, but they didn't have any, so I won't have any for that book. Maybe they took it down. I hope they're publishing it so I can buy the book for cheap because the book is currently $22 on Amazon because they're just, none of Mariana's books are published. The first book. <laughs> this one is my favorite. This is Heartless by Elsie Silver. I, this is probably why I loved Heartless more than I liked Powerless, her, her new book that just came out because it's age gap romance. This one is about Willa and Cade. Normally, I don't like characters like Willa. Willa is a very, she's a redheaded, not, there, I have nothing against redheads. I do not know why I started with that. Ignore that statement. That is just, okay, let me rephrase this. I normally don't like characters like Willa who are big flakes and are very bold and are very out there. And that is because I am insecure in those qualities of mine. So let me start out by saying this, but I absolutely loved Willa's character. To describe Cade's character, Cade Eaton is a single dad now in charge of the ranch. So the Eaton family, they have a farm, farm, ranch, whatever, somewhere in Canada. He's the one who is the brother that took it on and he is in charge of everything now. Because he's a single dad, he needs someone to take care of his son for the summer because he doesn't want to put that on his own father because his dad is getting older. So Kate is on the hunt for a nanny, right? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, no, Heather, no. Willa is not going to become the nanny. You know what? I'd be lying. She is going to become the nanny. And it's not cringy or uncomfortable or weird like you think. She does become the live-in nanny. 
but Elsie Silver wrote it so well to where you're not uncomfortable and it's not weird. Okay, it's not weird in any way. I know, I know guys, I know. But anyways, Willa is coming to meet her friend Summer, who Summer is married to Rhett, which is Cade's brother. They were in the first book. And Cade has turned away every nanny possible. And Summer's like, you know what? You're going to use Willa because Willa's great and she's going to be your nanny. They had met previously, Cade and Willa, and they did not know it. So at the beginning of the book, they met at a coffee shop and a very awkward situation ensued. And it is hilarious when they see each other and they're like, oh, oh, hi. Hello. How are you? So Willa becomes the nanny to Luke. She's the living nanny. Willa's a big flirt, but not too much, like the perfect amount to where you don't feel uncomfortable. Some of my favorite scenes in this book are the beginning at the coffee shop. So you know what? I'm just going to tell you. It's not even a spoiler. This is what happens. Willa is digging in her purse, trying to get some money to pay for the coffee. And her spare underwear that's clean falls out of her purse. And Cade is like, oh, you dropped this. And he's like, wait, this is your underwear. And she's like, oh, yeah. Listen, I carry an extra pair of underwear with me sometimes. Sometimes you never know how things are going to go. Okay? I do that. It's not weird. But that's how they initially met before she became his nanny. And he was like, no, no, you're not going to be my nanny. I loved that scene. I also loved the pool scene with Willa and Luke, Kate's son. Willa took Luke to a birthday party because Kate had to work. And at the birthday party, all of the kids were pretty much bullying Luke. And they were being so ugly to them. And Willa did exactly what I would do in the situation. I'm pretty sure she shoved a kid into the pool. Luke looks at Willa. And remember, Luke's mom is not in the picture at all. There's nothing horrific that happened. She just doesn't want to be a mom. And so she's not in the picture. And Luke looks to Willa and he goes, sometimes I wish you were my mom. At that birthday party where I got held under the water, the boy told me that even my mom didn't like me. And I just cried. I, oh, this little boy loves Willa so much. And Willa is such a good nanny to him and eventually becomes a really good mom to them because obviously her and Kate fall in love or whatever. But that made me so sad. But also the maternal instincts that came out in Willa at that birthday party when she shoved that kid into the pool and then told him off and was like, stop it. It made my heart so happy. Oh, and then Willow responds to him after he tells her that. Well, I don't just like you, Luke. I love you. And he's like, you do? And she's like, yeah, that kid is a major shithead. And then the little boy goes, and he whispers, he goes, he's a total shithead and I love you too. And I just started weeping. Oh, their relationship was honestly my favorite to watch. Watch Luke just like trust Willa and Willa take care of him like, he was her own child. The third scene that I absolutely loved in this book was also at the end when Cade is asking Luke, what did you wish for when they were wishing for things? And he's like, I wish for Willa to come back. And they both start crying. And he's like, me too, pal. Because Luke just loved Willa so much in this book. The second book in age gap romance that you need to add to your TBR is All Roads Lead Here by Mariana Zapata. This is a slow motherfucking burn book of course it's like 500 plus pages the main characters pretty much knock knees under the table and make eye contact 350 pages in the book and you're like oh my god i'm swooning nothing crazy happens it's just a beautiful story the only reason why 
I didn't rate this book five stars, I think I gave this book 4.5 stars, is because the conflict at the end honestly seemed a little silly to me. It just felt like it didn't really need to be a conflict. There wasn't really anything else for Mariana to bring in to make a conflict other than this thing, so I don't know. Aurora is the FMC in this book. She recently got out of a long-term relationship and is trying to like find herself again. She decides to move to the town Pagosa Springs. She kind of grew up there. This is the town where her mom died in a hiking accident somewhere around there. And so she's going to this town to find herself after being in a long-term relationship and also feel closer to her mom. She wants to start hiking and getting into the things her mom loved to do. And that scares me a bit, to be honest. If my mom died on a hiking accident, I don't think I would ever go hiking again in my life. But you know what? Props to Aurora because she's like, I'm going to do it. I want to see what my mom loved so much. She finds an apartment in this town to rent above a garage. And her landlord is Rhodes. Rhodes has got to be at least like 10, 12 years older than her. He also has a son, but he's not, he's not a single father, though. And you have to read the book to understand what that means. He's not a single father. His son, whom I love, is he also has other parents. It's a long story, but it's a very interesting story. So read the book and you can find out. I swear all these older men in every single book I'm listing are grumpy ass men. Rhodes is a grumpy park ranger who really doesn't pay Aurora any attention until like 40% of the book, they have like one small interaction when her car breaks down and doesn't work and he like helps her. And then she slowly starts coming more and more into his life. But at the beginning, you're like, there's no way these two characters are gonna be together because Rhodes is so closed off. But like any good Zapata book, he does open up eventually. And the story is so beautifully written and you don't get bored. I It's so easy to listen to me describe a Zapata book. And you think that sounds so boring, like, how is there literally no action going on? You just have to trust me. And if you're looking for a slow burn age gap romance, then this one is for you. It's also very like outdoorsy vibe, finding yourself vibe. Again, Rhodes is a park ranger. So that's a really fun aspect of the book. My favorite scenes in this book was one, the beginning when she first gets to the apartment. And I cannot tell you exactly what happens because it will spoil it. But the inner her first interaction with Rhodes was hilarious. And I laughed so hard at what Rhodes's son Am did. My second favorite scene is when Aurora goes on a hike and she tells Rhodes where she's going and she gets like stuck up the mountain because there's a storm or something. And Rhodes legit drops everything and comes and saves her. And again, he's a park ranger, so he's the only person who really could come and save her. And she went and tried to dig this hike alone and is trying to drive down this mountain in this horrific storm and just like gets stuck and is like super scared. And I know like while I was reading it, I had so much anxiety because I've driven through bad storms on mountain roads before. And I was like, oh my God. And then Rhodes shows up and he's like, let's go. And I was like, ah, swooning, it's fine. And then my third favorite scene in this book was the tent scene when they camped in the front yard in the tent and Rhodes like set up she was supposed to go on a camping trip or something I'm pretty sure and like it she couldn't go or something that happened and Rhodes 
brought the camping to her and they camped in the front yard and it was just really sweet and wholesome. The third book and the last book of age gap romance that I recommend. Drum roll, please. I love this book so much. A False Start. This one is also by Elsie Silver. I didn't even realize that until right now. This is a part of her Gold Rush Ranch series. Say that five times fast. Gold Rush Ranch. Gold Rush Ranch. Um, this is the fourth book in this interconnected series. And this age gap is an age gap. They are, what are they, like 13 or 14 years apart? And you're like, holy shit. I think the girl is like 22 and he is like 35. But the way it's written does not make you feel. I think with some age gaps, you can hear that it's that big of an age difference, especially when it's a girl in her younger 20s. And you're like, oh God, girl, are you sure? But sometimes it just works and we don't know why. And I think Elsie did a really good job of writing Griffin to be a character who was very hyper aware that she was young. And he made it a point to be like, you need to think this through as well. And not treating her like a child, but just like acknowledging the fact that she was so young and not trying to take advantage of her. Because I think some people, when there is a huge age gap like this in the real world, not speaking in the book world, but in the real world, when there's a huge age gap like that and it is a young, like early 20s, when you're still developing and still really growing into like an adult or whatever. And I think the older person doesn't necessarily acknowledge that that person is so young and their brain thinks a little bit differently because they're growing into a person. But in this book, Griffin did a really good job of acknowledging she was so young and also acknowledging all of the trauma and heartache and scary things that Nadia had gone through that had made her as mature as she was. Not only was this book age gap, but it also was brother's best friend. So Stefan, I do not remember his last name, but Stefan was the book before this and Nadia is his little sister. Now brother's best friend, his her brother is a lot older, hence why Griffin is like 13 or 14 years older than Nadia. Her brother, who was in the previous book, like I just said, was able to get out of a really tough family situation that him and Nadia were in. And because Nadia was so much younger than him, she had to endure so much more than he did when shit really hit the fan in their family. And because of that, she went through some really scary shit growing up. And this book honestly made me so much more emotional than I ever thought it would. Because while it's so good and has rom-com aspects, both Nadia and Griffin have so much trauma and so much like bottled up inside of them. And it was, there was so much growth that both of them had. Nadia at 22 and Griffin at freaking 36 or however old he was. They were both growing so much and just had gone through so much that made me tear up multiple times. Nadia works at the vet clinic there. She's like a vet tech. And Griffin, what does Griffin do? I literally forgot. He does something with horses or maybe he does. I don't remember what Griffin does, guys. I'm really sorry. Um, they initially met at a bar two years previously before the book actually really got into the swing of things. And they made out in the bathroom. <laughs> and then once they found out who each other were and Nadia found out that Griffin is her brother's best friend and because she hadn't met, she had like just moved there and she hadn't met her brother's friend before and Griffin didn't, hadn't seen her before. 
Once they met, they avoided each other like the plague because there's a huge age difference and there is that tension there and also brother's best friend and they're like, no, this can't, this can't work. So they avoided each other like the plague. Griffin is, in Nadia's words, I, like, like I said, all these men are so grumpy. What is it about these grumpy older men that we just all find so attractive? In the words of Nadia, Griffin is like this growling, dirty talking, romantic dickhead. And that is so accurate. They're such big grumps, all of these men that I'm talking about, but they're so like low-key romantic, but also dickheads. And so I love them. I love all of them. Nadia has like a super smart mouth on her throughout the entire book, which I appreciated because Griffin needed to be put in his place so many different times. And just, I think her smart mouth pushed him in a lot of ways throughout the book to grow and not mature, but just heal a little bit through his trauma. I think they were good together. I think it can be really unhealthy for people to find each other and they be the reason, the only reason each other heals. Maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe I need to think through that opinion a little bit, but they both facilitated a lot of growth in each other and a lot of healing. And it was really beautiful to see. Like I said, I wasn't expecting this book to be as emotional as it was, but it made me really emotional. Three of my favorite scenes in this one, honestly, this one's not even a scene. It's just a saying of what Nadia says. She says, that's what dreams are made of. Older, growly, protective men. That's not even a scene, but that quote, I should get that tattooed on my body. That's what dreams are made of. Older, growly, protective men. Nadia, you're on to something there. Second, um, not necessarily a scene as well, but a broad little topic, tripod, the dog that Griffin finds, and he brings it into the vet clinic because it got hit by a car or something. And Nadia is, again, she works in the vet clinic and she's there to help him. And tripod is just this dog that doesn't have a home. And I think they were trying to figure out where they would take it. And Nadia was like, okay, well, I can call the shelter or something. And Griffin was like, no, I'll take it. And he's like grumpy and says very few words. So for him to be like, no, I'll take the dog. And he like adopts this dog that he found on the side of the road. And I'm pretty sure he's the one that hit it. Maybe he felt guilty. I don't know. But throughout the book, we get to see Tripod there because Griffin took him in and it was so sweet and wholesome to him. And I just, <laughs> I'm going to giggle. Okay. The third scene that I really liked from this book was the gun scene. Like I said, these people are out in the middle of nowhere, or like on a farm or ranch or whatever in Canada. And when they go out to, I think it's Griffin's, is it Griffin's cottage or is it Stefan's cottage? I can't quite remember, but they go out to one of the cottages that is even more in the middle of nowhere. And they're shooting targets like country folk do. You know, you put up some beer cans, you put out whatever, and you shoot the shit. And Griffin is shooting with Stefan and his wife and Nadia walks by and they're like, Nadia, do you want to like shoot at a target? And she's like, no, like, no, like kind of visibly uncomfortable. And they're like, no, no, you should do it. And she's like, okay, fine. I think she feels like a little peer pressured. And she picks up the gun and hits like literally every single target exactly. And everybody's face just falls and they're like, what the fuck? And I think that's the moment they realize that the st in the moment Stefan, her brother, who's there as well, realizes that like she went through some really dark and scary shit 
that none of them were aware of just based off how well she knew how to handle a gun all just like all of their eyes are open to like oh my gosh her home life is was even worse than any of us ever knew and then it goes into that a little bit more it wasn't my favorite in that it was lovely to see it was my favorite in that it was very emotional and i genuinely enjoyed getting to watch oh my gosh wait that was about to sound really dark i was about to say i enjoyed watching the emotional breakdown no let me rephrase this so I don't get canceled I liked to watch Stefan her brother as well as Griffin come to the realization finally that like she actually had been through some dark and scary shit and they were finally made aware of how bad it was okay well I don't know we're kind of ending the podcast on a darker scene I should have um figured out a way to lighten that up so that we didn't end on that one but that's what we're ending with those are my three favorite age gap romance books and if you want me to talk about more tropes let me know i have so many tropes that i love but again this one is my favorite and these are three of my favorite books within this trope next week's episode will be a wrap-up of all the books that i've read in february guys i'm reading like a madman this year i hope you enjoyed this episode stick around for next week so you can hear all the books that i read remember to like this podcast, give it a review, and give me your feedback. Go on my Instagram, send me a DM at heads.bookclub. I'm always wanting to make things better. I love constructive criticism. I don't always recognize when I'm doing something wrong, and I don't always recognize how I can better something, especially when it comes to this podcast. All right, that's all for this week. I will see you guys next week. Bye!